Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Hey, everyone. Welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm Sean Duffy, along with my co-host for the podcast, my partner in life, and my wife, Rachel Campos-Duffy. Thank you, Sean. It's so great to be back at our kitchen table. And boy, do we have a great conversation today because we are joined by Iraq combat veteran and the host of a podcast and blog called The Order of Man. His name is Ryan Mickler, and he also wrote a book which caught our attention, Sean. It's called The Masculine Manifesto, How a Man Establishes Influence, Credibility and Authority. Ryan, welcome to From the Kitchen Table. How important, I mean, Sean and I were talking even before the podcast saying, we think this might be the most important topic in America right now. Yeah, I mean, it's crucial. That's why I wrote wrote, wrote the book on it. Um, and to put it out there, I need this book just as much as any other man. I was, act- <laughs> I was actually reading through it uh, as I was doing the audio version of the book. And I was like, well, I'm not doing that. I'm not very good at that. <laughs> I need to improve in that. But uh, yeah, it is crucial. And there's definitely... Uh, I, I'm hesitant to use the word attack, but there certainly is at a minimum, a dismissal of masculinity and culture and society today. And I wanted to write a book and put a message out there that would help paint a different picture of the current narrative that masculinity can be used for productive outcomes and actually serve society in very positive ways as it has throughout history. You know, Ryan, again, I think this is one of the most important topics and, and we'll probably get to this at one point, but we've somewhat, or society has somewhat demonized men and masculinity. Why do you guys keep saying somewhat? They have demonized. They okay. have, Sean. They have. They have not everybody. Not, not everybody. But so I guess my question is, you know, lay out the problem and the consequences of the attack on masculinity in uh, the American culture. Well, I think at the root of the reason there is this demonization or undermining attack, assault, whatever, whatever word you want to use there is that a society that has strong, bold, courageous, independent, capable men is harder for the powers that be to control and manipulate and coerce. And so when it comes to politicians and the government and even the education system, and even in the medical community, the, the whole idea is to get people to comply. But when you have a society filled with men who are independent and capable of t- taking care of themselves and other people, you're not going to get that compliance. And that, that is the root cause or the root reason why there is this deliberate attempt to erode and undermine masculinity in society. 
I, I think it's fascinating because it, it, it goes, it, it all comes back to politics because if I'm an independent, self-sufficient, independent thinking man, you don't control me. I'm in charge of my destiny, the destiny of my family. I earn money for myself. I can take care of my, my home. I can feed my, you know, my, 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 my wife and my kids. But if I can't do that, I need the government. I need politicians. I need the state to take care of me, um, which then takes power away from me as an individual and gives it to um, the, the bureaucrats in Washington or my state government. It's fascinating and true. Well, there are no free rides, right? And, and we know that. And, and I think a lot of people believe that if we turn to the government, we look at government as our daddy, that we, we can have uh, student loans, quote unquote, forgiven uh, or, or that we can receive these welfare benefits without any strings attached. Oh no, there's strings attached. And that debt will be called in at a later date. That might be simply through voting for uh, a certain politician or political party. Uh, or it might be, Hey, we need you to now do this, which is to mask up and comply. There's a lot of different things that will be called in a later date, but again, individual men who lead themselves, their families, their communities, and their business as well aren't subject to the strings that are being pulled. So I think the other criticism, if you will, of masculinity and the reason why it's being labeled toxic by so many in the culture is many people, particularly feminists, and many of those feminists have very strong positions of power in society. They say that masculinity isn't good for women. So let's talk about, Ryan, what does it mean to be masculine? And how about we talk about it in the context, or, or maybe you could add that as well. How does it help women? How does masculinity make the lives of women better? Well, I'll start by saying that I don't think masculinity is inherently good either. That might be a little bit deviation from what people have heard in the past, but masculinity is simply a set of characteristics or behaviors or traits that we would generally ascribe to men based on our biological makeup. So it's amoral. It's neither good nor bad. And I make the distinction that manliness is when we use our, our God-given talents, gifts, abilities, biological makeup for productive outcomes. That's the difference between masculinity and manliness. So okay, I, so I consider then, it. Go ahead. So, so then how is manliness good for women? And what is it? Can you, de- can you define it better? Yeah. So I define manliness as the ability to protect, provide, and preside over yourself for your loved ones and people who cannot do it for themselves. That's the most simplest definition that I've ever come up with. And I've thought a lot about this. And when a man is striving to do those things, he is being manly. And those are the people that we admire and respect, whether it's on the silver screen or in real life, we see guys who are taking their aggression or their stoicism or their competitiveness or even the propensity for violence and using it and harnessing it and leveraging it for productive, favorable outcomes. And so to your point, Rachel, when a man decides to take his masculinity and turn it into manliness, it allows women the space and the freedom to be able to step into their, their, their feminine roles. Uh, my wife is a stay-at-home mother and, and homemaker. And as I strive to do as good a job I can, that allows her to raise our children. That allows her to turn this house into a beautiful home. That allows her to pursue the things that are meaningful and interesting to her. I get so tired of hearing people say that men and women are equal. We're not. That means the same. We're not. Are we equal in worth? Yes, I think inherently we're equal in worth. But as far as what we do, 
generally, I know there's exceptions, but generally we're not equal. We're completely different. And that's a good thing. And as a woman steps into her role, it allows a man to step into his. And as a man steps into his, it allows her to step into hers. You know, I, um, I'm, I, I don't know that I hold myself out as a connoisseur of women, women and knowing exactly what women want. I, <laughs> yes, Rachel will attest to that. But I would think from my observation of women, they want manly men. They want men who are going to work hard, that are going to take care. When, listen, I, Ryan, I don't know about you, but when, when we hear something in our house, and our dog starts barking and, you know, there's noises outside. I don't nudge Rachel and say, hey, honey, get up and you know go see who's at the front door. Is there a danger in the house? I get nudged. I grab the gun and I'm the one who goes downstairs. We, we fall into these roles. And I think, you know, as, as just to, and maybe I'm a product of the 80s, that I think women don't want the pajama boy, don't want the little, you know, woke um, feminine male, male young adult. They want, they want a man who is, again, going to work hard. That will take care of them. Will, you know, partner and lead in a house and give the the their wife an option to go. You know what? I do want to work, or you know what? I want you to make enough money so I can stay home and raise our kids. I want to have those choices, and I want to do what fulfills me as a as a woman. And for me and Rachel, for Rachel, for for fourteen years, you were a stay at home mom, and as our kids got a little older, you started to work part time and and went from there. But at that those were choices that we wanted to make as the family, and we saw. Um, the benefit for our kids and for our own relationship as we were able to make those choices and kind of go into those traditional roles. Yeah. And they totally well, depended on Sean stepping up and being a provider. I mean, I, I look at so many of the social ills that we have in, in our country, Ryan, and I, you know, you could almost distill all of it down to men not stepping up and the sort of wake that's created say when a father isn't in the home, when a father has, you know, you know, refuses to take on the responsibilities that he has to his wife and or the mother of his children. Yeah. And well, and Sean, you said something interesting. You And I, I wanted to call attention to it. You said we fall into these roles. We, we don't, these aren't roles that we fall into. I mean, pe- people like to say that these are uh, social constructs. They're, they're not. The, the role of a man is not a social construct. The role of a woman is not a social construct. It's a biological construct and it's supported societally because it works. And it really isn't until relatively recently that we've even been able to call into question, what is a woman? What is a man? What are they supposed to be doing? Because we have it so easy, but just because we have it easy doesn't mean that there aren't things that a man might need to address. Sean, like you said, a, an intruder at the house. We actually, my wife and I had that experience a couple of years ago. We woke up at 2 a.m. Somebody had rung our doorbell. I pulled up the security cameras and there was a man at our door who was trying to actually open the door. And so I did wow. the same thing. Grab the gun, grab the dog. We'd been through the drills. We kind of knew what to do. Wife called the police and you know everything was fine. It ended up working out just fine. It was, the, the guy was drunk and he thought our house was a church, which actually was across the street and uh, everything was fine. But th- this is the way of human nature, not just we made this up because men are you know, more powerful than women. That's not it at all. And, and, and I think what's happened today though, is you do see, you know, more women who say, who say listen, I want to, I want to have a professional career. I want to, I want to, you know, take a, a little different lane, maybe than my mom and my grandma had. And frankly, Rachel has talked about that. Both of both of us have talked about that a lot about um, sometimes women are pushed into certain roles they may not want. 
they they may yearn to go, oh, you know, I want to get married. I want to have kids. But society and culture tells me I'm not supposed to do that. I'm supposed to do something else, though their heart tells them they should go a different direction. Uh, but I, I, I take your point. Ryan, when you look you, at- You know what? Can I say something on that, Sean? Yeah. yeah. You know what's interesting about what you just said is that I have I have never once- faulted or blamed or mocked or ridiculed or poked at or looked at a woman who decided that she wanted to enter the workforce. And I've never looked at her less than favorably, but you know what? There's another side of the equation where these feminists, men or women will mock and ridicule and harass women who decide to stay at home. That's, that's the difference, you know, and, 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 and they talk about women's suffrage and, and, and women's empowerment. And yet Really what they mean when they say that is, no, leave the home, leave your husband, leave your kids, go out into the workforce and be a man. And only then are you a woman. That doesn't make sense to me. Now, again, if a woman <laughs> wants to go out into the workforce and, and pursue a career or do something meaningful, all the power to her. But you're never going to hear my side of the equation ridicule a woman for doing that. But you will hear the other side ridicule women who decide to be empowered by staying at home and taking care of their families. So if masculinity is important, and we all believe here on this podcast, at least that that masculinity and manliness in particular, as you define it, is important to to society and to the flourishing, frankly, of children, then how how can you pass that trait on? We have we live in a country for, you know, that has so many broken homes, um, so many men who aren't present. And now you have those children grow up um, to be men often without that kind of a role model. How can they get those traits? Um, is that what your book is about? Is that what your podcast is about? Sort of passing on those traits, especially to young men who maybe didn't have the that example passed on to them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, primarily we work with men, not so much young men. Uh, we do have an event coming up where we, it's called Legacy, where we have 20 fathers with their sons come out to our property here in Maine. And we do a, a two and a half to three day rite of passage type experience for, for these men and young men. But what it's amazing like? to me. Well, we do all sorts of activities that are designed to push the boys and, and fathers physically, mentally, emotionally. And then what we're trying to do is bridge the gap between the, 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 the fathers and the sons. How do you have deep and meaningful conversations about things you've never talked about before? Um, how do you harness your emotions, not hide them, but harness them? How do you talk about uncomfortable situations? How do you handle yourself when life gets challenging? How do men open up to their sons and teach exactly what you're talking about these experiences? But it's amazing to me how many men that are in our programs or just simply listen to our podcast who didn't, who grew up without a father that that was me. My dad wasn't around most of my life in the picture. And so my mom did as, as wonderful as a job that she could do, but she's actually staying with us this week. And if I brought her in here, she would tell you that she was, it was insufficient. And that's not a knock on her at all. She did the best right. she could and she did a wonderful job, but there's no way that a woman can fully help a young man turn into a man that takes, that's, that's men's work. It takes a man to do. So what, so to your question, what can we do? Well, first start in your home, you know, let's take care of our sons. Let's take care of our daughters. Let's show our, our boys how to harness masculinity. Let's show our daughters what a man actually looks like and how he treats and, and acts around young ladies and women. 
Uh, and then from there, once you start to get that developed, then start to turn outwards. What are you doing in your church congregation? What are you doing in your community? Are you running for, for uh, elected positions? Are you on the school board? Are you in PTA? Are you on the booster club for your son's football team? Like what are you hosting football nights for dinner? What are you doing in your community to help these young men who, or are you coaching a little league sports team? I mean, I, I've, I've coached teams for off and on for probably eight or nine years, young, young boys. And I can't tell you how hard it was to find another man just to help me coach. And I would see these young boys who like, they would look at me like a, like a father figure. It was, it was both empowering, but heartbreaking. I'm like, man, these young boys just don't have a dad in their life. What an unfortunate, tragic situation. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. So can I ask you, uh, can I follow up on this? So in the home, let's talk about in the home. Is it enough to just model being a great dad, being a great husband, or is there something specific uh, or are there certain things that dad should do? you, You mentioned coaching. That might be a good example, you know, that you could you could set for your son of how you, you know, serve others and 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 have that sort of paternal role for other people. But in the home, what can the father do? Well, I don't think it's enough to your point uh, that we just model behavior. And, and the reason is, is because they don't kids don't always look at behavior and equate it with a certain mindset or deliberate, intentional work. They don't see that. And so it's our job to connect the dots, but there's also negative behavior that all of us engage in. You know, I, I I fall short in so many ways. I feel like I'm the, I'm like the poster child for, for, for this work. I, it's like those old Rogaine commercials. If you remember, like, I'm not only the president, I'm a, I'm a member. Like that's, that's me, you know, I'm trying (laughs) to figure this stuff out myself. Uh, And so it's important that when we do mess up, that we have Frank, hard and difficult conversations with our children, which I have had on multiple occasions uh, about, Hey, this is where I mess up. This is where I fall short. This is what I did wrong. I'm sorry. When's the last time you said, I'm sorry to one of your children. Uh, But yeah, we need to be able to not only model the behavior, but then also connect the dots for our children and show them that the behavior is deliberate. Hey, the reason we're experiencing financial results, for example, is because of X, Y, and Z. So a great example of that We've been successful financially, our family, and uh, we have a bunch of merchandise and things like that that we sell. My oldest son manages our, our merchandise store. So now it's not just modeling the behavior. It's actually getting him involved in the behavior. Yeah. My wife just yesterday, we homeschool our children, just yesterday said, hey, because my son has his own podcast and he's got shirts that he sells now. And she asked, does he 
sell, does awesome. he buy his own shirts? And I said, yeah, he, he's 14 years old. She said, yeah, he buys them himself. He buys them and then he sells them. And she's like, oh, I need all that information so we can uh, make sure we document it for their, for their homeschool. So it's like we model the behavior and then we give them opportunities to learn it for themselves. So that's the only way we've ever learned. Teach, let them do, evaluate and drive on. You know, Ryan, as I look at, obviously your podcast is wildly successful. You're writing a book um, on a topic of masculinity and, and manliness. You look at Jocko, um, even Joe Rogan. I mean, there's there, something's happening in our culture where, mm. I, and again, I don't know that anyone is sending men to you. There's not a big arrow that says, you know, go see Ryan, go see Jocko. Go, but young men, realize and recognize there, 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 there's something missing in their lives that maybe they didn't get from their father. Maybe they're not getting from culture and they're drawn to other masculine figures, other examples of what it's like to be a man. Um, and yeah. I find that fascinating that, that again, this is, this is rooted in our DNA. That yeah, that's the, that, that's that, the fascination with Andrew Tate too, who's like, you know, blown up as well, just like Joe Rogan, these sort of very masculine men on the internet, who are being sought out by young men. Good point, Sean. Well, another one is Jordan Peterson. I mean, yes, hundred percent, you know, very, very fatherly, very, obviously very wise. Uh, I guess some people would debate that, (laughs) but, but he's, but he's a very fatherly type figure, even the way that he communicates, which is not anger, but sternness, right? The sternness of a father. Uh, And so, yeah, these guys who never had that in their homes, of course, that's appealing to them. That's natural. And so we look to guys, like you said, yeah, I don't know what it would be like to be uh, the son of, of Jordan Peterson or Jocko. I can't imagine that would be a completely <laughs> pleasant experience, but, uh, and jo- and I know Jocko personally, Jocko would readily admit that, but I mean, th- there's something missing and these guys are providing it. And you know, the way I look at what we've done in the movement is not so much fatherly, but more brotherly, like, Hey, I'm, mm-hmm. I don't know either. I'm trying to figure this out and uh, maybe we can partner or go shoulder to shoulder in this thing and, and figure it out together. Fathers and fathers to join together for fathers yes. to join together, to support each other in the raising up uh, and figuring out how to, how to produce good men. I gotcha. And, and well, you I, know I what's funny is I had, okay, well, go ahead, I was, was going to say, I had it, I had over the past, I would say uh, 30 or to 45 days, I've been working through some of my own personal struggles, which, you know, believe it or not, I have. <laughs> And I called up, I've called up a few friends that are, that are close personal friends that I feel I can confide in and trust. And this is, this is uncommon, I think, uh, in men in, in the modern age anyways. And I, I yeah. told my friend what I was dealing with and he's like, Oh, really? Like I, I'm actually dealing with that too. And he told me his situation. I said, bro, why didn't you tell me you were doing dealing with this? And his response was classic. He said, well, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> I'm like, Oh yeah, <laughs> that's right. Everybody's got a problem. And none of us are talking about it. I think women generally are, are more apt to do that. Yeah, we're better at that. Ruggle with that. And we need it. We need it, which is why these movements are so valuable. Yeah. And it's also and interesting what, what, what that them, what, to get the advice from a, from a man. So, you know, a lot of men go to their wives, right. And say, I have this issue and, and, and women give their perspective on it. But the, but the answer that a woman might give might be different than the answer that your buddy might give, who's also going through the same struggle. So it's interesting. I think there's something that both sexes can offer in in that, in that solution. I'm sorry, Sean, go ahead. No, I, I, I what I was going to say was, um, when you, when you, I can tune in your podcast 
Ryan, and even on this podcast, I can listen to you and whether it's Jocko, whoever, whatever masculine manly figure I'm listening to, the example of manlyhood is to actually acknowledge your faults, which is what you just said right here, right? To go, listen, I'm not perfect. I don't hold myself out as a perfect human being, um, but I'm going to speak boldly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak from the heart. I'm going to tell you what I think. And that's also manly. And I think even, even the, the, the lessons that are learned when people tune in, um, when young men tune in, they, they get a wide array of, um, of what it means. And again, it's not just speaking strong. It's not just being the guy who gets up at night, but it's also the, the compassion, the work, but also the failing and the acknowledgement of failure and the striving to do better um, that I think is a, is a, is a fascinating lesson that, that, that young men can learn from just you know, tuning in to, to other you know, strong, strong, outspoken men as an example. Yeah, I've got a, a good friend. His name is Jason Wilson. He calls it the comprehensive man, where where a man begins to integrate. And I, I believe the term he uses uh, as as a biblical reference is the lion and the lamb. Like, how can you be both? We, you know, men are led to believe that we need to be the lion at all times. Well, when do we when do we be the lamb? And and it's not bad to be the lamb, right? It's we we need to be that. We need to have environments where that's that's okay. Uh, and then sometimes we need to armor up and suit up and and be the warrior that we can be. Uh, but if we're always the this is the trap I fall into is if we're always the warrior. And Rachel, you said it a minute ago. You said men turn to their wives. I don't to a fault. And and I I actually would think that that a lot of men are probably in the same boat. It's like I don't want to. It's not that we don't trust our wives or that we don't want to share these things with them, but we don't want to burden them right? We, we look at ourselves as protectors. And so I don't want to burden my wife with that. I don't want to add to her, her plate. I know she has things that she's working on and struggling with. And so I don't want to add to that, but there is a time, especially in marriage where I, I'm, I'm saying this, and this is one thing I need work on is where my wife would actually like to hear from me about the things I'm struggling with. And so when do we let the shield down? When do we put the sword down and, uh, and show that other side of us? And it's okay if we know how to wield both. I mean, every, every marriage is different. I mean, Sean and I, sure. we're, prob- we're, we're each other's best friends. We, we actually, I think that we, we probably go to each other more than we go to anyone outside. That's and, good. but, but, but what's interesting about what you said is because of that in our relationship, you know, it would be interesting to see, you know, and I know Sean has a brother he's really close to that. He, he throws things at all the time. And, and Sean's a great, He's a really good communicator. I've learned to communicate through Sean, um, which is, you know, not not always um, the norm, I suppose. But, you know, Sean's family, you know, they learned to become good communicators. And Sean sort of had that trait as the youngest of 11 kids. And he Mm. sort of really absorbed that. And it's been a a real blessing in our marriage um, because I really think he he teaches he teaches me a lot in that regard um, and, and how to, and how to communicate and how to fight and how to do it productively um, and not in a negative way. I think it's, it's been really positive for us. You know, one of the things Ryan that I saw about your book is you make the distinction between fulfillment and happiness. It seems to be a big point you make explain what you mean by that. You know, I don't want to get tripped up in semantics. Uh, and so I, I'm happy to answer that question, but I just want to preface it by saying it doesn't matter what word you use as much as the meaning that we're putting behind it. Cause words are just, they're just noises and we've given meaning. So like, I don't, again, I don't want to get tripped up in semantics, but the way that I view it just to differentiate between the two 
is happiness is is bliss, right? It's you're 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 sitting on the beach and you're just enjoying life and the waves are perfect and the sun's beaming down on you and your kids are playing. It's just beautiful and there's no problems, there's no issues. Life is just good. That's happiness. When we hear that, I'm like, oh, that sounds pretty nice. It's nice for like two hours, and then we as humans, especially, I think, I don't know if it's especially, but we as humans crave hardship, crave challenge, crave something to push against. And so fulfillment to me is not the absence of, of struggle and toil and hardship. It's the ability to overcome it, to meet those obstacles and those challenges head on. Uh, and, and some guys will say, well, do hard things. I mean, I could go over to the wall and bang my head against the wall. And I, I think we could all agree that would be a hard thing to do that. There's no meaning in that. <laughs> it's just, I'm going to walk away with a headache or worse. And I got nothing out of it. We should be pursuing meaningful challenge, meaningful struggle, things that are purpose-driven, but hard to do. And that, that's what I mean when I say happiness, bliss versus fulfillment, which is being able to meet meaningful challenges head on and, and having, the, having the ability to, to, to deal with it. Um, John Eldridge talks about in his book, it's a great book called Wild at Heart. Uh, and he talks about the question that men are trying to answer, which is, do I have what it takes? Well, I'd like to find out. And that means I need to have some sort of adversary to push against that I'm willing to fight. Is that what men are asking themselves? Do I have what it is? Is that their deepest question? I believe it is for me. And I believe it is for thousands of the men that I've worked with. Do I, aren't we always trying to prove ourselves? I mean, look at, look at, look at boys behavior. I took my, uh, my wife and I and family took, um, two of our boys to football practice yesterday They practice at the same time on the same field, different teams. And my youngest just got done. He's six years old. He just got done. And he decided he's going to go play with the other boys while we watch my other son's football practice. Well, my wife and I look over and he's over there and they're like fighting, not, not bad, but they're being physical. They're pushing each other around and they're, you know, they're trying to see who's going to beat the other one or who's going to be faster than the other one or who's stronger and <laughs> during practice. It's a six-year-old football practice is like herding cats. You guys have all seen it, but <laughs> one of my son, my, my son was comparing his height to another boy and they were measuring like who was taller. Like this is ingrained in us. Like, do I have what it takes? Can I go out and can I kill that deer and bring it back to the tribe and be valuable? And that that's ingrained in our DNA and it never goes away. But we, if we don't answer that question or we don't try to, then we see skyrocketing rates of suicide and depression and anxiety. It's said that um, men commit suicide anywhere from four to five times that of women because we're not answering that question for ourselves and we're depressed about it. You know, I think there's a lot of people who are afraid of failure, right? If I don't try, if I don't, if I don't get in the ring, I can't fail. And um, a lot of times I think we're, we're, we're taught that. Um, I look at in my own life, um, a lot of failure a lot of success, but some of the most joyful times I've had, the happiest times I've had, the most fulfilling times I've had, I'm, I'm melding all your words together, Ryan, but have been when I've taken on challenges and I've done them successfully, um, big and small. And again, and, I, and from my failure too, I've learned a lot from it. I'm a better person because I failed, but by, by pushing, by being afraid, it's because risk is it's it's scary to take a to take a chance to take a risk to put yourself out there and potentially fail. 
Um, and again, I think that's part of manliness is to go, you know what, it's okay if I, if I fail, but I'm going to try, I'm going to give it my, I'm going to put my whole heart into this. And even if you don't make it, you're a, you're a better man because you got in the ring and tried to do it. And then if you actually are successful, uh, I think the growth that comes from that as well is huge, especially for men. And uh, I don't think we see enough of um, our young men actually taking that risk, being afraid, pushing themselves, and then having the reward and the success uh, that comes with, you know, meeting the goal, getting over the bar, climbing the ladder. Well, we all get to decide what, again, this goes back to our, our use of words. We all get to decide what things mean. So we can decide what success means. We can decide what failure means. So when I hear failure, what I think is actually, if you didn't do it, you did fail. <laughs> like that, that is failure. If, if uh, you didn't try, then you did fail. Now, some people might define it differently, but I think that framing around it will actually drive you to action. Like, I feel like if I have a thought or an idea, like order of man, this is something I thought about seven, eight years ago, I, I felt compelled to do it. I feel like I would have been a failure had I not at least pursued it and, and taken a step in the right direction. So that that's failure to me is having an idea, having a dream, having a vision, having something even as simple, simple as, you know, doing a, a chore or project around the house and just saying, eh, I don't want to do it because I'm lazy. Well, then you failed. And that, that to me is a healthy way to look at failure and it drives you to action. So when I look at society and I do think that there's um, definitely a lot of negativity in the culture around masculinity that we hear, you know, it's only in the last few years that I, we began to hear the word toxic masculinity. Um, and and you see a lot of this gender fluidity happening. And I think it's also a reaction to um, or response to this idea. You know, if masculinity is toxic, then gender is fluid. I, I think it's all I think it's all tied up. I think it's very confusing for a lot of kids. Um, and by the way, I saw um, a documentary on HBO about uh, trans kids. And it, one of the things that was so interesting to me in these very young kids that were being transitioned and they were being followed, you know, documentary style was how weak the men were in, in those families. Um, and they were either not present or they were very passive and looked almost like um, they were just observing this as opposed to participating in what was happening to their children and their family as a result. So I think there's all kinds of consequences around it. And you and Sean talked a bit about the rise of these sort of social media um, influencers who are these male role models. But Ryan, you also spoke about that in your own family, uh, your father was not present. Um, I'm guessing by talking to you what, what, what I think your age is, probably not growing up in the age of social media influencers who could have helped you to find um, your path to to manliness, as you describe it. So tell me a little bit more about that journey. Like, how did you go from being a kid in a single home that you admittedly say and your mom admittedly says, says, you know, that, you know, wasn't meeting all of your needs as a young man? Um, how did you go from that to where you are now actually helping people to um, to appreciate, understand and and teach manliness to their, to their sons and, and be that role model in their own families. I, I can, I can describe it with two words. It's sports and the military. <laughs> That's it. Like my mom introduced me to sports. She forced me to play football when I was younger because she knew I had to get around other men and other coaches. And I had great coaches growing up. In fact, I had one who I really built a good relationship with. And in my sophomore year, he actually cut me 
from the basketball team. Uh, my senior year, he pulled me from my starting position uh, at catcher in baseball. And uh, he's somebody that I still really admire and respect and actually talk to today more than 20 years later uh, because he was willing to be hard on me. He didn't do it out of spite. He wasn't, he wasn't doing it in a, a mean spirited way, but he cared about me. And so he talked to me about why, and, and he explained things and he helped me with other ventures. And this is somebody I deeply admire and respect. His name is Matt Labram. Uh, so, so I got a lot of that through sports, which is why I'm so, so adamant about men coaching sports, because you might be that guy for somebody else. Uh, and then I joined the military and I learned a lot about discipline and hardship and, and working hard and real world consequences to our decisions. And man, that just went such a long way in, in helping me realize what I needed to do as a man. But I, I don't have it figured out even now. I, I, I struggle in so many ways. And um, you know, I, I, I have things that I need to work on and prove. I, I, I get angry. I'm impatient. Um, I, I, I end up hurting the people in my life that I love most because I'm ambitious and I tend to leave a, a wake of collateral damage in my path at times. These are all things I really need to work on. And so I have other men in my corner and other resources that I turn to and a band of brothers that can help me walk through the challenges that I'm, that I'm dealing with. You know, I, you, you mentioned Jordan Peterson, which by the way, when I was in Congress, um, he stopped by my office um, and I had a chance to talk to him for 20 minutes, um, which I thought was great. Uh, and, but I took a picture with him and I sent it to my oldest son, who was like, out of everyone he's met in, in politics, that was the greatest moment that his dad took a picture with Jordan, with Jordan Peterson. And for me, I, I, I don't know if you know Jack Brewer, uh, former uh, football player. Oh, he's down in Florida. Yeah. Uh, he's, a, he's a man of faith. Like I, I look up to Jack Brewer as just like he's, he's like the, the, the shining, the shining light of masculinity, of, of a man of faith, of, of conviction, and also, you know, holding people accountable. Um, I, I, I and he love mentors that tons of young men, you know, in crisis. It's amazing. As we, so Ryan, as we look where we're at today and, and, you know, whether you're a parent listening to our podcast or you're a, a young man listening to our podcast, um, and uh, I don't have, I don't have a weekend or I don't have a dad to go with. I can't go up to Maine you know, to your retreat, which sounds like it's fascinating. Is it reading the book? Is it, do I, do I, do I read the book and kind of go, I'm going to get some, some pull aways from the book that, that helped me go. These are some things that I should be doing. These are steps that I can be making as someone who wants to be a better leader, be, be a better husband, be a better man. Do I get that out of the book? Is that, is, is, is it, is it the book and the podcast? And as someone's going on this journey, um, who thinks they can be better um, in this space, What's the answer? Well, yes. You know, I, I, I think the book, I think the podcast, I think the resources we provide, um, obviously that's that, that there's a bias there, of course, but I wouldn't put this information (laughs) out if I didn't think it would help men. Sure. But more important than even this is go find men in your area that you can work with and where, where, you know, you know how, I, I hear this quite often from women because we have a lot of women who tune into what we're doing and they're like, where are all the real men? Like what they're at, where their real, real men go. I hear that a lot. They're, I hear that a lot, at, actually, Ryan, it's, yeah. it's young women, especially are craving, you know, I think because of this basement boy thing that's happened and video games yeah. and so much, um, you know, just emasculization. I think there's women who have been fed the feminist, you know, line for so long, get out there, put your, foot on the gas pedal, go, go, go. 
what they really want is men to step up. They're looking for that. Where are they? I, I, I hear that a lot. I can tell you exactly where they are. They're at business luncheons. They're at the gym. They're at church. Like we, <laughs> they're all the places yeah. we know where they are. So if you want to be around those guys, then go where those men are. And it's the same. It's actually the same thing with guys when, when it's like, yeah, I would love to have a, a band of brothers in, in my, in my corner, in my local area, but I don't know where the guys are. Like everybody's interested in, you know, the parties or whatever. Well, you got to go where the men are. Where are they? They're at jujitsu. They're at the gym. They're at business luncheons. Great uh, point. Like, so go there. Last night I was at, I said, I was at my son's uh, practice and I, I saw a, a guy that I'd, I'd met a couple of times and his son plays on a, an opposing team. And you know what I did? This is crazy. It's, it's mind blowing. I actually went over there and I talked to him. <laughs> like, like I went over and I said, Hey man, how's things going? I know he's in real estate. I said, how's the, how's the market? What's the market doing? I've heard it's cooling off. And he started talking about his work and we had a, a great conversation. And next week I'm going to see him and I'm going to have another conversation with him. Um, or it might be something as simple as you're, you're at a, you're at a business luncheon and, or, or some sort of an event. Cause that's easy enough to go to. And, and you meet somebody who is in a similar line of work or something different, but you'd like to learn from them. I mean, people are there to network. So like get the guy's number or give them your number or shoot them a valuable resource. I mean, it's not, it's not really that hard. You do have to exert yourself. And that, that's the problem with social media and technology. As wonderful as it, as it is, we expect everything to be delivered to us, right? Like I could be talking about going on a vacation to Hawaii or something, for example, and no less than 60 minutes you know, later... I'm getting all sorts of emails and alerts and, and advertisements on Instagram for Hawaiian vacations. Like everything is delivered to us on a silver platter and we don't know how right. to actually go out and assert ourselves. And, and, and actually ourselves. the best answer to that, where should I go in Hawaii is probably to call someone who's been there and get some, that would some be real, exactly. real, real life you, information. You know, Ryan, the, the example you just gave of like where you find real men, it's like if you're in the, the East Coast of Central Florida and you sought out those activities that you just talked about, you would meet Dan Bongino because that's what Dan, Dan, right. Dan Bongino right. is. All you did too. And he's like, I mean, that's, yeah. like, that's where you'd find Dan Bongino, a, a, another real man. Um, and it's like, yeah, you, you're not going to find them at, you know, maybe the, the latte shop but they're going to be lifting weights and they're doing, they're, they're, they're fighting and they're involved in their community. And you might find them, you know, uh, at, at a, at a little league game coaching or a football game coaching. It's that really, really smart. It's where do you, where, where do you associate yourself? Where are you going? And that'll dictate who you meet and the kind of men you meet that you bring into your life. Really good point. I love that. I was just going to say it's, it's, it's just, again, I reiterate it. It's, it's easy. You know, if, if you see somebody that, like even at the gym, I know this sounds weird, but here's a great example. You go to the gym, it requires humility, but you go to the gym and maybe you're not in as good a shape as I can be. And you go there for the first time and, and you see a guy that's fit. Okay. I know this sounds weird, but bear with me on this. You see a guy that's fit. There's no problem with going up to somebody and saying, Hey man, look, you look like you come here a lot. Like you, you look like you got a good physique. You look strong. You look like you know what you're doing. I have no clue what I'm doing, man. Can you show me, like, can you give me a pointer on my bench press? Like that, I know that sounds and, weird, but and no, that dude, guy's they would love that. it. They'd be like, of course, of course. I will. They're like, oh, yes. of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah go on. let me show you what I do. 
<laughs> or if you're at the barbecue <laughs> and, and a guy's, you know, makes a killer steak, just say, Hey man, like that steak you made, it, it was, was delicious. Awesome. Like I, I can't do anything like that. What's your secret? Like, it's not yeah. hard. You just have to exert yourself and put yourself out there a little bit. It's a, that is such a great, great point. Both of those where to go and, and to find people like this and also how to engage them because all of us, you know, like to be complimented and show like what we can do and talk about it. Um, it, it, it's a lot easier than I think we, we make it out to be. Here's my last question to you, because you talked about the importance of the military and we've been talking in this podcast about, you know, the toxicity label that's been placed on men who are manly or, you know, um, exhibit a lot of masculinity. And the military is a, a place where you say you learned that. Um, and it was pivotal for you, um, especially coming from a, a single mom home. I just read an article that, you know, this has been concerning Sean and I for a while that, you know, recruitment is really down. But it's been a, a while since we've seen that it's hard to even those men who present themselves to join the military. A lot of them are overwork are overweight. Many of them have criminal backgrounds because they haven't been guided for so long. I just read an article by a retired lieutenant uh, general saying that this was a big part of the piece of the puzzle of why recruitment is down. It isn't just that the military has gone woke and, and it's not attracting the right people. That's one small component. That is a component. But another component is people that are presenting themselves to serve simply can't because they're not fit um, and, and they or, or they have it. They've already gone down a bad path and they can't um, their records, maybe, um, criminal records aren't allowing them. So I look at all that, Ryan, and that's to say, I think this is a national security problem we have yeah, um, at point. some point with masculinity. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I don't even know what, what to say to that. You're absolutely right. This is the reason why men need to, a part of the reason men need to step up because if you look at these young men, they don't have guidance, they don't have direction. So their heart, they have their masculinity that's coursing through their veins. I look at my 14 year old son and he challenges me. He pushes on me. He wants to contend with me. He, sometimes he comes up and he bumps into me. Like he can take me, you know, playfully he's trying to assert himself in a situation and I need to be able to take that's, that's a good thing. I don't, I'm not mad about that. I actually, I like that. I think that's good. And it's my job to show him in a loving environment, a place where I do care about him deeply, uh, what he can do to take that aggression, take that energy, take that desire to dominate or even be violent, and then use that effectively and productively. Because look, this is why we see school shootings. This is why uh, I think I saw a statistic that uh, the majority of school shooters have are pumped full of medicine. For, for Typically, it's, it's depressant-type medicine or... Um, attention type medicine for like ADHD, this type of thing. And they have a lacking father figure. Okay. Well, let's address that. Like, let's get the fathers in the homes. Let's get the fathers in the communities for those who don't have fathers in the homes. Let's stop pumping them full of medicine. Let's find healthy and productive outlets for their energy and their aggression. Let's not demonize it. Let's celebrate it and encourage them to use it in positive ways and see what that does for society and for our military, to your point a minute ago. 
Yeah. Channel it, channel it. Ryan, listen, right. I, I want to thank you for um, doing our podcast. I just, we, we, we uh, saw your book and, and your podcast and all that you're doing on this topic. And we think it's so important um, for, for the success of the country um, yes. that we have yes. young men be men. And I think it's a conversation that we can't have enough. And there's the, the good guys like you who are out there who are making a career out of going, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take my sword out and I'm going to fight this fight to make sure that I'm saving America by saving young men in America and making sure they're manly. I, I love that. And I want to thank you for your work and being a good example for, for all of us out there. And again, admitting we're all not perfect. We're all a work in progress. Um, we're all getting better. We're all challenged um, in different areas. And we admit that and we still strive uh, to be better, but through the process uh, we're manly men and Again, thanks. Thanks for doing this. And thanks for yeah, all your Ryan, great work. Ryan, we, we think it's great. The book is called uh, The Masculine Manifesto, How a Man Establishes Influence, Credibility and Authority. The podcast is um, Order of Man. Um, you can get um, online and, and get all of those um, things to, to follow uh, Ryan, to learn more. Uh, Ryan, Sean, my husband, Sean, always says, if you want to save America, save your family. And um, there's so much in this book um, towards that end. So uh, we thank you for joining us and um, we appreciate all the work you're putting, good work you're putting out into the world. Thank you very much, you guys. I really appreciate the opportunity. Of course. Thank you, Ryan. Take care. Thanks, Ryan. Wait right there. We're going to have more of that conversation next. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, that was an interesting conversation, Sean. Yeah, listen, I, I, I loved what he had to, what he had to say. And again, um, the, my, my, my two takeaways from the conversation with Ryan was, again, I'm not perfect. I'm a work in progress. And I think that's, that's really important to tell people that, you know, we're all, we're all working and striving. Yes. Um, and though I hold myself out as, as an expert on this space, because I'm pretty good at it, I'm not perfect in this space. And, and again, I think that's a sign of masculinity and manliness to, to admit that you're not perfect. I love that part of it. And yeah, then the vulnerability of it. Yeah. And I, I think the other part was when he's saying, you know, find people in your community and this is where you find manly men. I mean, like that, that for me, a light bulb. And I'm like, he's at, I couldn't, he was, he was explaining where to go. And I'm like, ding, 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 Dan Bongino. This is where, this yeah. is where find Dan, Dan Bongino. Following Dan. <laughs> and, 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 or, and I'm or sure. Even, or even, or, or, or even Jack Brewer. I mean, it's true. I'm that sure. You find them at the gym. You find them at jujitsu. You find them at church. You find them at community um, events. Um, it, 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 or you find them on the, on the football and soccer field, coaching and helping out. Um, it's a great, great point because it, it seems like people can be like, well, you know, my dad sucked and now I can't, you know, develop into the person I'm supposed to be. Well, no, not really. There's all these other people that you could find in your lives. And by the way, we didn't get to talk about it, Sean, but there are a lot of men who never got married or are widowers or are grandparents who can become that father figure in, for a young man that they see is struggling in some way. So there's there's roles for for men 
that that are it's not doesn't just have to be father son. And if that's lacking, there's other places to find that influence and learn and even just become friends, as he said, like go to the gym and find somebody that you, you know, admire. And that that buff guy at the gym might become your next best friend because, you know, you asked him that question. And I think what you find is, you know, there's, there's, there's different, there's like, I'll, I'll pick up something from Bongino or Jack Brewer, uh, right. Those are, those are two people that I have in my personal life that if I go to dinner with either of them or have a, uh, a drink with them, I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. That that's what, that's what, that's pick what Dan does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't take it all, but there's, there's different little points that you get when you associate with pe- people who are great men. Um, good men. Um, and, but also Sean, the importance of male friendships for men. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really important. And then who are we choosing to be friends with? Right. And that goes to the point of, again, if you're, if you're, you know, meeting, you know, the, the, the guy with the beanie and the, not that I'm, I'm dissing beanies, but you know, sipping his latte with his Birkenstocks, that might not be the guy that's going to lead you to manliness, but you can find other people in your life in other places that if you're looking for it um, and you strike up friendships um, and you're just, you're just colleagues, you're just, you, you're, you're associates. Those, those things can be really wonderful. I think for, for men. And I just, I thought my point was great. I'm sorry, but there, this is, I'm sorry for uh, promoting my own point, but listen, I, this is what men want. Jordan Peterson yeah. is Jordan Peterson. Bongino is Bongino. Um, Jaco is Jaco because there is a hunger for this yes. with young American boys. Um, the, the, this, this is what they want. This is what they're yearning for. And if, if, they, if they didn't get it somewhere in their life, they're getting it with you know, the relationship they have you know, on, on some of these podcasts. And then they can go seek it out in their everyday life. But I think it's really important that we go, this is, this is something that the, the, a need that's, that, that young men have to fill that's not being filled in other ways. And again, it's why these, these men are so popular. And, and, they are and what are those, what are these men offering? They're saying, you know, Jordan Peterson is, is saying, you know, take responsibility. First thing in your life, just make your bed, um, create order in your life. I think it's interesting that Ryan's uh, podcast is called order of men. I'm sure. He meant it as like a group of men, but there is something about order and structure and leadership. Um, and you look at, um, you know, Jocko, it's about discipline and working out. I've, I've had, I've had podcasts with him often, but men, young men want someone to set a standard for them that they can meet. Um, and this sort of loosey goosey, anything goes, doesn't, ultimately it, it, first of all, it doesn't ultimately lead to happiness. Right. And it doesn't, it doesn't fulfill what men want. And, and Ryan talked about that, that need to be challenged. Um, people, you know, successful people aren't just happy retiring and sitting on the beach. They, they still need that challenge in life. They still need um, to be pushed. And, and the way to learn to do that is to be around people that are like that. And whether it's through, social media influencers, a book, a podcast, or finding, which I think is a better way to do it, finding those people in your community who can fill that gap. You know, you, you brought up an interesting point, and I say this all the time to, you know, I have, I have a wide range of, you know, age of men that I'm, you know, friends with. And the older men that I know who are going to retire, I'm like, listen, when men retire and they clean their garage or go fishing and hunting or vacation on the beach, they die. 
Men need, mm-hmm. men need it's, they, they do. And I mean, sure. we, we all know those people in our life who thought they're going to have the best 20 years of their life. And I'm going to do nothing with my life in those 20 years. They don't make it because there's something they're not happy. in men. Well, men, men, have, men have to be challenged. And whether you're, whether you're, you know, 12 or 22 or, or 72 or 82, I think men still have that need. And again, they, I think the men who just go home to their wives after they retire, they drive their, their, their wives absolutely bonkers. Oh, yeah. So if you're going to retire, I, I do think that men have to find other challenges in their life, other missions in their life. Um, and if not, it, the, 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 it doesn't work out for them. And I, again, I think that speaks to the whole course of someone's life that you do want to challenge, you do want to work, you do want to strive. Um, and I, I just, and I think it's really important to not be afraid to fail. Again, not, I mean, listen, sometimes you do some things and it's, you, you can embarrass yourself. And I'm, I, I'm a testament to that. I've embarrassed myself a lot, um, but I, I could have not embarrassed myself and, and not been in the field. And I think it's really important to go, no, I'm going to play, I'm going to play, I'm going to play the game. I'm going to, I'm going to actually try to do something and I might not make it, but I'm going to actually make the effort. One, one space I didn't try, Rachel. Uh, is in is in the congressional baseball game. I'm like I can embarrass myself enough in Congress without playing baseball yeah, in front of I don't know how many. I'm like I'm not doing that. That's the one that thing I'm like I'm not going to do that. One. They had hockey too, and you didn't do that. I should have played. Well, I should have played hockey. That uh, that would have embarrassed myself far less in hockey than I would have in baseball. But but um, <laughs> but again, I've I've taken enough challenges in my life. But I do think that again we can't be afraid of that. Um, and I think. Um, you know, I, Ryan, what a beacon of light. What a, what a guy who says, you know what, I came from this and, and this is where I'm at. And it came from sports and the military. Pete Hegseth is, is kind of, obviously he comes from a really good family, but if you look at the discipline that Pete has, um, it comes yeah. from this, this, this um, order of man that I think maybe got that in his house, but I'm, I'm sure it was duplicated in the do military. Know, do you know who has the neatest office at Fox? Mm-hmm. It's Pete. And I used to think that it was because, you know, his wife works in the building. And I thought, oh, well, maybe, you know, and I've said, oh, Jen, keeps your office nice and clean. And he got really offended. Pete is a nope. neat freak. He is he, all he about is. order. It's a military thing. And, you know, my dad, Sean, my dad Same also thing. 32 years in the military. You'll never meet a neater, um, more disciplined man than um, than my dad. So the military, it's interesting. It is good advice. So if you meet some a young man, who seems directionless, maybe doesn't have a father, good father figure in his life. Um, the military is an amazing place um, for people to learn, to grow and to sort of fill in those gaps that maybe they didn't get before. And you can hear it from so Ryan. Um, that's important. And it's really sad right now that young men, because of video games and everything else, are just so out of shape. They can't even have that option. Um, and so this you know- is... A, the masculinity thing isn't is a national security problem. Our country would be better um, if we if we dealt with these issues. It's happiness. It's fulfillment. It's you know being someone that a woman actually wants to marry, um, and it's national security. And, yeah. A lot of things come into play. Listen, Rachel, thank you that you 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 found Ryan to do this podcast. Thank you for um, actually caring about masculinity and manliness. Um, it is a oh, well, male. That's and why I married issue. a lumberjack. I married a lumberjack because I was smart enough to know I wanted a manly man. Um, and guess what? That. There's I, a lot of young women out there. By the way, future podcasts, we are going to do something on the um, with Kaylee McEnany's sister who started a website for conservatives because um, there's a lot of dates. women out there yes. looking for masculine men. And we need to 
you know, narrow that, 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 that pool so they don't, them. aren't so frustrated them. in the dating field. Yes. Connect them. So, so great topic true. for the future. Yes. And if you like our podcast, you can rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast, uh, give us some five bars or whatever you do with your podcast rating stars. Um, but I want to thank you for joining us. Um, I think on this really important topic uh, of masculinity and manliness um, from the kitchen table, great conversation with you, Rachel. And again, thank you yeah. for being a woman who cares about men. I do. I look forward to joining all of you around the kitchen table next time. Bye, everybody. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.